Mesdames et Messieurs, the greatest festival of our contemporary society, the Olympic Games, is about to begin. This is going to be close. Hello, fans of Shuklistan, and welcome to another episode of Keep the Flame Alive, the podcast for fans of the Olympics and Paralympics. I am your host, Jill Jarris, joined as always by my lovely co-host, Allison Brown. Allison, hello. How are you? I'm feeling a bit like Dr. Tony Grant. Do you know who that is? I don't know who this is. <laughs> okay, when I was a kid, and I'd be driving around with my mother, on the radio, she would always have Dr. Tony Grant on, and... She was like one of the first radio call-in psychologists, <laughs> sort of like a proto-Fraser. <laughs> so that's that's who I'm channeling today. Well, let's hope it. Let's hope you have to. We are taking calls today from listeners, and we do have one from listener Dan that we'll start off with, because Dan was traveling today and he really wanted to chat with us, but we made some time for him previously. But we thought we f we figured out that we could take calls and we were like, hey, let's talk to the listeners because it's fun to to geek out with each other, but it's more fun to geek out with you. So uh, we are taking calls. The phone lines are open. We'll see if anyone joins us. But uh, while we wait for somebody to call in, we'd like to give a special thanks to all of our Patreon patrons for, for providing financial support to the show and keeping our flame alive. Do you want to be a Patreon patron of the week? Take a look at our different levels of support and very cool bonus gifts at patreon.com slash flamealivepod. If you would like to give us a one-time holiday bonus or say happy Olympic year to, to us, we have lots of options for one-time donations. Check out flamealivepod.com slash support for all of them, including PayPal, Venmo, Buy Me a Coffee, and Coffee. Did you see, I meant to say, put this on the show because I saw this on LinkedIn. Have you seen this information about the Olympic World Feed Project led by the Olympic Foundation for Culture and Heritage? I have not. Okay, so this is a group that, and the project is trying to acquire more than 3,000 hours of content missing from the AV archives of the International Olympic Committee. And they're talking about trying to get international TV footage from the games from 1956 to 1988, you know, because they gave the TV rights away and they didn't have their own broadcast of them. So now they're trying to get all of that footage. So they say they've gotten about 60% so far. They're almost there with Mexico City 1968 and Munich 1972. But the big get that they just announced was Sarajevo 1984. Wait, they didn't have Sarajevo footage? No. How is that possible? My guess is because when they sold the TV rights, and, and this is something, this is, again, when once we're done with Beijing and we have like a little bit of time before Paris, I would love to talk to these people if we can to find out more about this project. Because my theory is that when they sold the TV rights, they didn't do any of the broadcasts themselves. So all of the television stations own that footage. Right. Because in the U.S., that would have been ABC. Correct. So the idea is rather than the IOC owning the rights, ABC 
kept or did not keep the footage. I mean, I assume they kept most of the footage, but this is all like videotape probably. Right. Right. Or so film. things get right yeah. or film. So things get destroyed. Things get lost. You know what I remember from that Olympics on TV was the woman who was the host, you know, the, the Bob Costas, it was a woman for that. And I cannot remember her name, but she had the most amazing sweaters every day. She had a different classic 1984 fuzzy sweater. <laughs> now, I, now I got to look up her name. But uh, one of the things with getting the Sarajevo footage, it, it took three years to do this. And they had to track down different broadcasters in different countries because Sarajevo was part of Yugoslavia. In the meantime, there was a huge war and Yugoslavia broke up into different countries. So they had to go track down these tapes in different countries who potentially had them. They eventually found 64 tapes in the offices of the of radio television of Bosnia and Herzegovina which was the same building that had been the International Broadcast Center at the Games. So these were just tapes like buried in the basement? Yeah, they yeah, in wow. in the archives or were wherever. So they they said they were still there, good condition. You could still see the scars of war on the building. But now the footage has been digitized and the IOC has it in its archives and the Sarajevo Olympic Museum, which uh, reopened in 2020 after three decades of being closed because of the war. They also have use of the footage. Kathleen Sullivan was the daytime oh. host. Oh. That's why I remember, because I would have watched a lot of it during the day. And that's why I remember her so clearly. And she had a great little 80s bob. And her fuzzy sweaters. <laughs> but that was a beautiful Olympics. That was, and and made so much more, bittersweet is not the right word, but um, almost painful as a memory because of what happened so soon after. Mm -hmm. You know, obviously the, the collapse of Yugoslavia and then what happened to Sarajevo as a city. Right. Was so devastating. And so many of the you know, we joke a lot about white elephants in different Olympic cities. That one was a tough one because it's it wasn't that they were white elephants. It's that you had a war and so many of them were destroyed. And I think at one time they were using the stadium as um, a hospital, you know, it's like a a field hospital. So that's that's one of those things where it's that's probably one of the, the most heartbreaking post Olympic stories of our lifetime. I, I would agree. It's it's really sad. And it that's like you say with the white elephant stories. It always bothers me when you see, oh, look at all these Olympic venues today and see how the Olympics is such a bad, uh, you know, such a money waster. And inevitably they show many pictures from Sarajevo. And there's not much that you can do about a venue. <laughs> like I can see, can can you just see... Uh, Juan Antonio Samaranch, like waving a white flag, please protect our Olympic venues. Don't shoot them up. You know, it's a, it's a war going on. This is going to happen. Unfortunately, the, the, uh, we should look and see what's going on there now, because I remember the Luzhin bobsled track had been covered in graffiti, but people were using it like as a, uh, as a summer, maybe a summer th a thing, or at least riding bikes down it for fun. So like a skate park. Mm-hmm. 
Are we going to put Dan's question at the beginning? Because I, I had a, I had a follow up answer to one of his questions. Oh yeah, let's talk about that. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for calling in. I'm glad we could make this work. Yeah, me too. I'm very excited to ask a question and just say hello. What's on your mind, Dan? Sure. Uh, so if you could interview any athlete from the past while they were competing, who would you want on your show and why? See, now I thought about this a lot because you did you did mention this in the Facebook group. And the hardest thing mm -hmm. for me to answer about this is because like the athletes that I would love to talk to, you know, we all know I'm obsessed with Nadia. I've talked about Ty Babylonia and Randy Gardner, and I've talked about other skaters is when they were competing is not when they were the most interesting. Like, I think they got a lot yeah. of okay. um, depth later, but someone who I think would have been very interesting when she was competing is uh, Wilma Rudolph. You know, our, our one of our favorite Tiger Bells, um, because I think even at the time she was very aware of what she was doing and how what an impact she was having both on the sport and on society in the United States. So she's one who I think during her career would have been a good interview. Totally. That's actually who came to mind for me. Ah. <laughs> So I, I did pick a winter and a summer and because you can't, I can't choose for summer. We are sticking with Tiger Bells and I would go with Wyoming Tyus. I read her autobiography or memoir, whatever you want to call it earlier this year. It's called, I believe it's called Tiger Bell. And hey, it's excellent. One of the better athlete written books because she does have a lot of self-reflection in there, but she spoke her mind she had a, a, a nice wild streak to her and she was subversive in her own way, even though that went unnoticed. And I would love, I would love to have noticed her own protests or even noticed the fact that she was the first person to repeat as hundred meter champion. So that I, I think she would be very interesting to talk to. And on the yeah. On the winner side, I would like to talk with, and I would have loved this even at at my age when this was, would be uh, Calgary 1988, Eddie the Eagle Edwards, because when, when it was 88, I loved Eddie and thought his story was fantastic. It would have been so interesting to see the spectacle and kind of get, I'd, I'd want to interview him maybe a year later because a lot of that stuff would have died down and just see that real struggle at the beginning to get into the Olympics. Then this crazy high because he captured the imaginations of everybody and then probably a very big low when everybody went away. Totally. Uh, I'm excited that Eddie the Eagle is on our uh, movie list for 2022 because I haven't seen it yet. Okay. Jill, Jill is not excited. <laughs> I Fran and um, so no. so a little a little behind the scenes discussion. So Fran and I were on a call and uh, waiting for Jill for whatever reason. Uh, Jill was late that night, and so Fran and I were picking out the movies for for next year. And when uh, Jill joined us, 
we were Fran and I were very proud of ourselves for having coming up with the the slate for 2022. And when we told Jill, she was like, "We're, we're not doing out of the eagle." We're, we're just not. And Fran and I are like, no, no, no. We're so excited about this. We we haven't seen it. She's just, no, no. So I'm kind of excited to watch this now, knowing that Jill does not like this movie. And why? <laughs> I'm kind of curious to find out why. But yeah. we don't talk about it ahead of time. We try very hard not to talk about the books and the movies before we record because a lot of times we'll say to each other save it for the show save it for the show because we'll have whole conversations and then realize we never put it on the air so i just have to wait like everyone else to find out what jill actually thinks of of the eddie the eagle movie i know not that long it's our first movie well no you won't have to wait because the second you start watching it maybe five minutes you will probably (laughs) no i will say that if you are a luddite like me Look for it on your cable stations on your DVR right now or whatever uh, on demand because it has been on again. And so we recorded it so I don't have to try to find it later. Oh, okay. Hot chat. I love it. Now, you had a second question, Dan, right? So what, what sport do you think will surprise you the most in 2022 at the Beijing Winter Games? And this kind of like you can take this question however you want. I, I'm going to say something really specific, and I am not tooting our own horn here. If Aaron Jackson comes away with the gold, which in the 500 especially, because she's been skating so well, I think speed skating is going to, and and Erin herself, is going to capture the American imagination. One, because speed skating is a simple sport for people to understand. Whoever goes the fastest wins. Okay, we can get, Americans can understand that. They don't, it's, there's nothing complicated. And American speed skating is hit or miss. You know, sometimes we're great. Sometimes we win nothing. And she is African-American. That still has a tremendous amount of resonance, especially in winter sports. And she's also got that thousand watt smile that I think if NBC captures her correctly, she could, but only if she wins. And I I am not putting pressure on her at all because, you know, obviously speed skating is very, um, things happen and she has been skating really well, but, and Americans only care if you win a gold medal. But so speed, I'm going to say speed skating and Erin specifically could, could be a real breakout star. And I hope so, because I love her. She's such a fantastic person and an incredible athlete. And what she's done over the past quad is amazing. So I, I think that's a little bit of hope mixed with expectation. Um, so yeah, I, I'm, I'm going to put, I think speed skating, if the Americans do as well as I think they're going to overall, we may see more interest, uh, at least in the United States. That would be cool. Oh, would I, I would cry. We know I would cry. Let's be honest. It doesn't take much. <laughs> yeah. But if she medals at all, I mean, I'm not a gold. Everyone who listens to the show knows I'm not a gold or nothing. If she like does a personal best, if yeah. she medals at all, I'll be just a disaster. It's a good thing I won't be in Beijing for that. I mean, I'll be like, I'll embarrass her. 
Well, I have already heard from listener Erica, because I have to credit her for saying it first. She thinks that Aaron will be the darling of the the Beijing games. So Erica and I came up with this independently, but we, she's just, she's so charismatic, but she's actually kind of shy, which makes her even more charming. Right. And she's smart. That's the other thing. So she's going to give you very thoughtful answers to questions and great interview and um and and has a lot of poise that a lot of other athletes don't especially younger athletes who don't have or and people who are coached a lot in media so that's that's also got what aaron's good for i'm i'm excited i'm excited about see i'm very excited for her prospects i just she's just had a great breakout season right when you want it to um i think I am going to be surprised by Big Air, and I I am looking forward to going to see it. We haven't really talked about Big Air, but um, I wish we could. I don't know why. It's one of those like it's one of those new sports. It could be along the lines of slope style, where I don't love slope style because I don't. I think maybe if you saw it in person. You could see the difficulty in doing it, but it's just not something that interests me. But I think Big Air in this venue that they built on an old steel factory site, I believe. Don't quote me on that one because I didn't quite do my research. Um, It's kind of all lit up and it's this huge hill that's probably made out of scaffolding and it just looks very cool so i think that's going to be a lot of fun and there's going to be a lot of energy in that venue what i hope is not a surprise in beijing is how bad COVID is i that's i'm hoping that is not the story that comes out that's that's the thing that keeps me up at night i feel like nbc has already done the COVID storyline so there's not going to want to engage with it for better well, or worse. I'm more thinking just not even so much engage as a story, but just it happens and athletes are testing positive and, you know, never mind on a personal level, you know, one of us, you know, especially Jill, who's going to be there longer, gets sick or something like that, that like, that's what I remember from Beijing is like, oh, that was COVID. Cause I don't remember that from Tokyo, we had so many other things happening. And so that's, that would be the bad. So if we have a good surprise and a bad surprise, that would be kind of my very bad surprise. (laughs) My very mixed up, no good, bad surprise Olympics. What are you? How long are you guys on Um, I am supposed to arrive in Beijing on on January 30th. And then we come back on March 15th. Long time. (laughs) What are you looking forward to the most? What do you think is going to be most surprising? Um, was not prepared. I thought that I was just asking questions. Um, (laughs) Well, you know, we can't not interview people. (laughs) Yeah, sure, sure, sure. Um, I think I don't know. You know, I, like this is like a more broad thing, but I think that people are going to really sit down and enjoy and watch. Like a lot of people that I know are like fair weather Winter Olympics fans, and I think 
that after Tokyo being so recent, like, people are going to be like, oh, like, let's do what winter sports are after we just carry over from six months ago. That's my, that's my hope, because I want more people to tune in. And kind of like Allison was saying about Aaron Jackson, like, just capture the American attention. And that would be really nice. I Agreed. Hope so. I hope so. I mean, NBC is certainly yeah. showing the commercials, although they're still showing summer Paralympic commercials, which is not great. Right. <laughs> you know, I think I think the the fair weather Olympic fans get a bad rap because you know it's very hard, especially for the winter sports. It's very hard to follow a lot of these sports that are based in Europe. You know, I know Jill and Ben bend over backwards to be able to watch biathlon, to see luge or bobsled or even cross-country skiing or downhill skiing during the World Cup season is really hard. And if people only watch it during the Olympics, I think that's great, you know, because at least they're seeing it at the pinnacle. You know, we're watching the best of the best and they're enjoying it. And I I know some people can kind of gatekeep stuff like that, and I'm very anti-gatekeeping of anything, and especially sport, and especially being a... So you're a fan for two weeks every four years. That's amazing, because these kids deserve that. You know, they deserve to be the focus of the world's attention, even if it's only for two weeks every four years, because they are amazing, and what they, the dedication and the time and the effort and the sacrifices matter. And if they get their 15 minutes of fame and we love them and we put them on cereal boxes just for a month, that's, that's better than them getting ignored. Very true. And I get to sound smart for a couple of weeks, every few years, <laughs> like people, it's really funny. And I don't know if Jill has this experience, like all of a sudden this Christmas, I know that I am going to be the center of conversation, people are going to be asking me all kinds of questions like, ooh, is China going to happen? Are we boycotting Beijing? What's happening? And all of a sudden, I'm like the smartest person in my family, which does not happen any other time. So that's cool, too. I have to say, yeah, you two helped me become that person. Like when I started listening, I very much thought you would work us with the Olympics. And now I'm also that person in my country and my family. Uh, and so, like, over the summer was the first time I had that experience that you were just describing, where I'm like, uh, yes, I am the Olympic expert in my social circle. Thank you very much. What do you need to know? Fantastic. We've done our job. Yay. <laughs> uh, well, Dan, thank you so much for calling. We are so glad we got to talk to you live. Thank no, you very much. I'm about to actually talking to you. Um, and if I don't talk to you before you leave for Beijing, I'm the best time. Thank you so much. Thanks so much, Dan. Happy New Year and happy holidays. Okay. Okay. Bye bye. Yeah, you too. So after we talked to Dan, and I, I had given my Wilma Rudolph answer. Mm-hmm. Of course, I spent the rest of the day thinking about what would have been a better answer, because I felt like it was too American centric. So I wanted to come up with somebody not American. Okay. And I decided that the other person I would want to talk to at the time of her competition would have been Vera Kozlovska. 
oh, who was yes. the Czech gymnast from 1968 who did that silent protest of turning her head when the, the anthem of the Soviet Union was played. And number one, she's a gymnast. So I would love to talk about gymnastics at that time. Two, she trained on tree trunks. So I'd love to talk to her about her, her insane training leading up to Mexico City because she had to go into hiding. And she seemed like someone who would have, you know, once she left Czechoslovakia at the time, of course, um, she talked. Mm-hmm. And she talked to a certain degree, but she would have been free to talk. And I think if we could have sat down for like 45 minutes, you know, like how we normally do an interview, not the quick, mm-hmm. we would have gotten some very interesting insight from her. So would you have wanted to talk to her as she was competing or yes. once? Left oh, well, yeah. I mean, I would have talked to her anyway, but his question was specifically right. at the time of competition and just like, what was her mindset? And not asking the question, you know, what are you thinking? But just to talk to her and and see how she would have reacted in that time and in that situation. Because she would have been so guarded. And yet it always came through. You know, just mm-hmm. that she chose to do that protest. I I wonder if you were watching, if you noticed it, the protest. I bet the Czech press noticed. And the Soviet press noticed. Mm. Probably Americans, if they even saw it, wouldn't have had a clue because they were so wrapped up in their own politics at the time. But I bet people who were closer to the situation saw it and and caught it. Right, because the John Carlos Tommy Smith protest, you get varying reports like, oh, it was held in this giant stadium people didn't really notice at the time but the photograph is what really catapulted that protest into something else although then with the help of time you do hear different stories right and there wasn't film right isn't that what harry bloodstein told us about uh the the vera protest there was no film yeah. of it mm-hmm. so and there wasn't necessarily any dramatic pictures and certainly they wouldn't have been published in the Soviet Union or in Czechoslovakia. Right, right. There is a new ceremonies channel on olympics.com. Have you seen this too? I have seen nothing. I have been in knee deep in end of semester and holiday. Oh, okay. Beijing planning. So if it doesn't fall into one of those three buckets, it does not exist in my world right now. So uh, apparently on olympics.com they have an a ceremonies channel now with the some of the most iconic opening and closing ceremonies nonstop. Oh so basically you can watch the archer from Barcelona over and over again. Uh, probably. Oh and that means I could see the ski jumper from Lillehammer. Oh right. I love the ski jumper yeah. from Lillehammer. So I don't know if it's also, I remember from Lillehammer, and I and I wonder if this is like a fever dream, because I haven't watched the Lillehammer opening ceremonies probably since it happened. But weren't there like little elves that came up from the ground? I believe so, because that was part of the lore. The yeah, the, the region. Little elves coming up from the floor. 
<laughs> but I do remember that um, the Norwegian royal family arrived in a sled, like in a, a horse-drawn sleigh. <laughs> Which is very classic. You know, it's the kind of thing you want to see. You, you want to see the Norwegian family arrive in a, in a horse-drawn sleigh. You don't want to see them coming on like, <laughs> what are those things called? You don't want to see them arriving on a snowmobile. Well, I guess you could. Hello, this is Keep the Flame Alive. Oh my gosh, I got you guys. This is so exciting. <laughs> hi, Jill. Hi, Allison. Hello, who is this? Hi, this is Rosie in Vermont. Hi, hi Rosie. Oh, it's so good to talk to you. This is like so fun to hear your voices. I'm like so used to listening to it off my phone, and now I'm like hearing you over the phone. <laughs> well, it's nice to chat. What is okay. on your mind, Olympics or Paralympics? Okay, I have a serious issue that I need y'all's opinions on because I feel like you've probably experienced some of this too. So I met my now husband right after Sochi 14, and we got married right before Rio 2016. So he never saw me in Olympic mode during our courtship. And then it was like, I told him I was a big Olympic fan, but he did not realize like what he was in for until the Rio game. And he was like, oh, you literally spend the entire time watching the Olympics. I'm like, yes. And he has not been thrilled with that. And like things got a little testy this past summer during uh, the Tokyo Games. Like it was our first time with a kid. And like he was like a little annoyed that I just had always had the TV on and was watching. So what do you do when like you don't have a supportive spouse for your Olympic binging? How old is your baby? She is almost two. Okay. So the first thing I will say is start training her now because then you will have a partner in crime and he will just have to deal with it because then when it's, once it's his child that's involved, then he will become more understanding. So so that's the first thing I would say. The second thing I would say is I am sure there is something that he is equally as obsessive about. And not then, really. He's like a really chill dude who like enjoys stuff, but not like to the extent of like my Olympics obsession. There's got to be something. There's something that he spends a lot of time on that you may not even recognize because it doesn't annoy you. Mm, or maybe it's not as concentrated. Yes. As- yes. It could be spread out. So if it's, you know, whatever hobby. So just kind of mm-hmm. bring that up that this is only two weeks and it's all lumped together it's like the orange juice concentrate frozen in a can rather than the giant gallon jug and if you mm-hmm. say if you add up all the hours you spend on this it would be the same as it's just mine is in two weeks time and then some of it will just be over time i've been married for 25 years and jill is what are you jill 20 no, not not, not yet. You're, cl- you're no, not quite. I don't remember now. Oh, that's right. Because you got married after Sarah was born. So you're in the teens. But some of it is just over time, you will learn to accept these things. He will learn to accept it because he's like, this is not going to be worth arguing over after a while. And that definitely happens. <laughs> things just don't, you know, when you're 25 years in or even 10 years in, as opposed to five years in, things just are less important stuff like that and yeah. then it'll also become a yeah, joke you know 
that uh, Rosie's off spinning, married to the Olympics instead of him. Yes, exactly. It'll become like, oh, yeah, it's Rosie's two weeks of the year and that's what I do. And yeah, then it becomes he becomes the Olympics widower. And it'll be funny. Now it's annoying, especially with a two-year-old. It's hard when everything is hard when your kids are little. <laughs> everything is hard. Yeah. So that's also it's also, a stressful time. I had a strategy for um, the upcoming Beijing Games because I'm, I'm like all Olympics, but the Winter Olympics especially are like my jam. And I was thinking, I was like, you know what? Maybe I'll do some trading with him. And like one weekend or one night during the week, I'll go to like a hotel room and like book myself in for like 24 hours so that he doesn't have to deal with it. We don't have to deal with each other. Cause like I, Oh, it was like really tough this summer. Cause he was just so annoying. <laughs> Is he not a television person? Is that the problem that, that it's always on? No. Cause like we watch TV shows and stuff together. I think he was just annoyed cause it was always on and I like wasn't paying as much attention to him. And I wasn't like as actively, you know, involved in like watching my child. Um, because he has summers off. He's a school counselor. So he was home the whole time. And our daughter was home with us. Because she gets taken care of the grandparents during the school year. So, like, I was still working. Yes. But I also, like, had my laptop on with whatever was playing, like, while I was working or in the morning or in the evening. And I had it on. And he just, I think, got annoyed. And, you know, it also may be that, like, our marital time was also slightly affected. Because, again, I was watching TV all the time. <laughs> yes, under understood. Well, the good news is that for winter he will be working, so he'll miss, you know, a good 12 yeah. hours of it. Um, if your daughter is an insomniac like my daughter was, you get to see things live when they're coming from China. Which is <laughs> Thankfully, she sleeps really well. She oh, you sleep. are a lucky woman. She sleeps until like sex. Yeah. Yeah. Um, we did a lot of sleep training, but yeah, I do. She didn't mind having the summer games on. She was like interested in it, but also kind of not interested because, you know, she was a year and a half old. Like it wasn't cartoons, so she didn't care. Well, you're in Vermont, so she is already cross-country skiing, correct? Just about. We, um, I had her out. We got a bunch of snow over the weekend, so we were out sledding. And I do like already have, like my town is talking about setting up um, a biathlon course. Like we want to do yes. some country trails. And then we want to teach, there's some people in town who want to teach shooting. So I'm like, oh, we can get her started in biathlon real early. Get those color, college scholarships. There you go. Well, okay. So if she already is getting into the snow stuff, the Winter Olympics might be more of a draw which is a good mm -hmm. thing for mm -hmm. her. I, I would also, I also have a husband who, even though he contributes <laughs> and is very, very supportive of the podcast, also likes attention. <laughs> and I feel <laughs> your pain because probably around day 12, <laughs> the annoyance really starts coming through. So I would maybe yeah. put reminders on your phone to ask your question, ask your husband questions about how he's doing. And what's going on? In his I was life. also thinking of like having like an hour, like a designated hour where like I just turn everything off, you know, unless something really exciting is going on live at the time, you know, like we can eat dinner, have our time and then like be like, okay, time for the Olympics to come back. Well, this will actually, the, the, the China time difference will actually help you because like at 6 PM, there's usually not much. I don't think there's going to be much on that's live. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So that will work. See, it's so funny. It's like, you know, 
the 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 difference at my point in life where we're just like, oh, we're gonna have a conversation, haven't we? after twenty five years we talked about everything. <laughs> <laughs> But yes, and and having a, I mean, it's so, the idea of getting to introduce your daughter to all this stuff is, is Mm -hmm. very nostalgic to me and sort of like, oh, you get to do this. And that's such a fun thing to do to introduce kids to doing sports and watching sports and sharing something you love with them. And that's, that's so special. And that's really wonderful. I really hope like I get that with my daughter you know she's still like she's so young like again not showing tons of interest in it but like the Olympics have been like really I was like in middle school when I got hooked during the O2 games and like you know it's just been such a fun part of growing up and always having something to look forward to so yeah like I want to like pull her into that world with me do you have any suggestions beyond just like having them on when she's watching them and trying to get her involved in sports for like getting her as obsessed as I am. <laughs> what if you made her little medals? Like take, I mean, we have Christmas ribbon coming up. If you celebrate Christmas, take some gift wrap, make little circles, and then oh. she can get on the podium when the podiums are, you know. <gasps> I love that idea. That's so fun. Yeah. And, and like, even just you're talking, enjoying that. you know, one thing I've learned from my daughter now that she's an adult that she remembers is that she remembers me being excited about it and talking to her about it. And it was fun for her to see me excited about something. So it's not even, Mm -hmm. it it seems like it's less about the big things and more about the little shared joys. Like when I think about my own childhood, what got me excited about the Olympics was you know, me and my mom and my sisters all sitting around the the little black and white television, watching them together. And my mom explaining mm-hmm. okay. things to me. Okay. And that's, yeah, it's just, it's sheer time and, and, and the shared events. But I would like, a, okay. I would like a medal all good too. I would like a little handmade <laughs> medal as well, if anyone wants to make one for me. I, would I dressed up as Michaela Maroney for Halloween a few years ago and like made an actual medal, made the silver medal. Yes. <laughs> I'll go see if I can pull mine out. I would also recommend, or I would also recommend, as, as someone with no children can give parenting advice, um, maybe a special snack. Start thinking about a special Ooh. snack that only comes out during the Olympics. So you only get the snack okay. every two years. Oh, maybe we could do like Olympic Jello or something. Do the Olympic rings? There you go. We My Olympic—I I will warn you: like, go very small with your Olympic rings, because I have now tried, I think, three different times to make <laughs> Olympic rings in Jello, and they just don't set properly. So I think I just need to make like little circles, like the Japanese ones from the original from Tokyo '64. Or just get the cup. Mm. Have the different colored and position yellow, them and you can make then there you go you just have the ring <laughs> perfect you learn to get real real creative when you're a parent and you have yeah, to oh yes <laughs> all right rosie well thank you so much for calling in good luck keep us posted this was great thank you so much for all the work you do on the podcast you're i really wel- enjoy it you're welcome thanks rosie happy new year happy new year all right bye <laughs> Hold on, we did have a call coming in. I figured. 
Hello. Hello. This is Jill and Allison from Keep the Flame Alive. Did you just try calling Hi. us? Hi. I did. I did. <laughs> who Who is this? This is Nick from Missouri. Hey, Nick. Hi, Nick. How are you all? How are you? Oh, we are great. How are you? I'm good. I uh, I teach for a living, and I'm on Christmas break. Oh, fantastic! <sighs> How has it been going with COVID for you and your protocols? Fine. I teach at a, at a college. Um, it was. I had one student go out. That's it. Excellent. I'm glad. I, I'm always relieved to hear that people are being okay and uh, getting through the semesters. Yeah. Um, so what is on your mind, Olympics or Paralympics? Well, I, I had a thought the other day, and when you guys said you were taking call-in, uh, they released the opening ceremony information for Paris. And I thought, what is L.A. going to do to top that? And do you guys remember the Rocket Man? Yes. Oh, yes. <laughs> they, I think that the technology might be good enough that they could link the two stadiums with Rocket Man. Okay, so when, wait, when we're saying two stadiums. Well, because they haven't really, they don't really know yet, but they've got to use the Coliseum. Right. But they have the new SoFi Stadium. Oh, right. So you're saying have two sites and then have people yeah, going back and forth. Do for opening ceremony. Yeah, they don't know what they're going to do for opening ceremonies, but what are they going to do to top Paris? So they could drone it, but I think they could do it with people. It probably won't happen now that I've mentioned it. Okay. Now, here's what we really need to get. We really need to get Celine Dion on a rocket <laughs> and have her singing as she's going between the two stadiums. Yeah. <laughs> Let's ratchet this up. I think piloting and singing at the same time would be a, too much for one person. She just lip syncs. It'll be okay. Yeah, it's fine. Or, or maybe, you know, bring it to the next generation. We'll do like Cardi B and, and Megan Thee Stallion, and they could like swap stadiums. <laughs> I know. I'll, ta I'll take it to the next level. You know that, Nick. <laughs> yeah, it'll be interesting, especially with LA 2028 having so much time to put this together. Like what? Right. When do they even start thinking about it, or do they wait until they say, "Oh, wow, this is what they're doing"? How do we how do we top this? And well, it being LA, it's getting harder and harder to top. And what Paris is doing is like nothing else. And LA doesn't have a river, so what are they going to do? Stop traffic? They can just block more traffic <laughs> off. <laughs> Uh, yeah. yeah, I don't know. It'll it'll be interesting, especially with the age-old issue of opening ceremonies costing a fortune for a lot of people and, and every host city trying to one-up the next one. And how do you do that? Because, well, Beijing is going to spend what they're going to spend and that those ceremonies are going to be phenomenal. Paris, the boat thing, I mean, you have a river, so the boat thing will have a cost because you have to get all these boats, but it will be in a way fantastic in a, and in a way that I think is cost effective. I hope. Yeah. But I agree. Yeah. I mean, how, I don't know. It would be fun to be a fly on the wall 
in the the room where they just start throwing ideas out and seeing what happens. Yes. I always thought that um, they needed to have, some, you know, you have all these athletes and the athletes representative. They need to have a spectator one. A spectator representative? Yeah. Like, yeah. Some, like you guys or all of us who listen to you to go out there and say, hey, you know what we really need to see? Or, you know, what's really disappointing in the past. I like that that idea. I've always wondered who's going to be the host city that's going to bring it back down. Who's going to say, and I thought Tokyo might have done this, but they were a little too far in when COVID hit. Who's going to turn around and say, you know what? We're going to simplify the opening and the closing ceremonies and bring it back to focusing on the parade of nations or focusing on the, the ceremony of it. And, and that's certainly not going to be LA because that's just not LA's notice. I mean, it's not, that's not what LA is. So, and given who's already, I mean, maybe Brisbane could do that and that would be part of their aesthetic. Um, but I don't know. Yeah, it's because you can't, like you were saying, you can't keep going bigger and bigger and bigger. And the winter is always a little bit scaled back just because it's smaller and colder. So there's certain things you can't do in the cold. But yeah, it's at what point do you literally have rockets getting shot off? And we have to say, wait a second, we have we have gone. We have crossed the Rubicon here. We have gone too far. And we're losing the point. You know what? You know, LA is going to go all out because just production value of Hollywood in the vicinity. I wonder if there are, I don't want to say fights, but like the angling to try to get to be a part of this. I remember when Chicago 26, when Chicago was bidding for 2016, every professional service firm was trying to do some kind of pro bono project with the Olympics they were trying to do some kind of pro bono project with the organizing committee in hopes that Chicago would win. And then there would be kind of follow on work and they'd be involved with this super prestigious event. I can only imagine that in the capital show business, how much different directors or producers are trying to get their fingers into this, these ceremonies, both the opening and the closing. Well, it's, I mean, NBC Universal and their uh, possession, I guess you could say, of everything Olympic. <sighs> yes. You know, there that's where that's going to go. Interesting. Yeah, Walt Disney will not be involved this time over at ABC, as they were in '84. Nick, do you have a favorite opening ceremony moment? Uh, yes. Okay. The cauldron lighting in Barcelona. <laughs> We were just talking about that. (laughs) And you could not hear us, but we just were mentioning the archer from Barcelona because I think that's Jill's favorite. Yeah. Yeah. I got to visit, I visit the, I visited the stadium in 2019 and the people I was with, I was like, we have to go up to uh, Montjuic and see the cauldron. And they're like, okay. (laughs) What is that? area like now because i visited there in 1999 and there was a lot of oh the it was the middle of summer but the pool was drained because they didn't have the money to 
run the pool. But what what is it like today or two well, years ago? I, I, yeah, I can remember walking up that hill and I knew we were close to where the, the swimming stadium was and we could not see inside, but I could hear some kind of event going on. Like there were spectators cheering for somebody. So I don't know if it was diving or swimming or what, but I could hear things going on. And then there was some kind of, I, I didn't ever determine what it was and didn't have the time, but there, the gates to the stadium were open. Oh, and you could get into the main stadium and get a good look at the whole field. And they had lots of flags and temporary banners and things set up. Like I wondered if anybody would have stopped me from going down on the track, <laughs> but I didn't try it. Oh man. Be bold, Nick, be bold. <laughs> Is there an Olympic city that you have not yet visited that you would like to see? Ooh, good question. Gosh. Yeah, we, we ask good questions. That's what we do for a living. <laughs> yeah. I mean, of the, of the more modern ones that I can remember in my lifetime, I've, I've been to a lot of them. I mean, not to the Olympics, but I have been, you know, to those cities. Like, I don't know. Barcelona was on that list, and then I ticked that one off. Well, I but have I not been to any, pretty much any of them. So this will, eventually when we can travel again, that'll be... We're that, hitting the that'll road. be something to do. Yeah, I got to hit the road. I got to go see places. I've yeah. been to Lake Placid and Montreal, and that's pretty much it. I'm very, I'm not very well traveled. I have been to Berlin, Barcelona, Sydney, Atlanta, LA, Salt Lake, London. See, now you're just showing off, Nick. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, well, mentally, I'm going. Go ahead. I always went for something else. And then if there was Olympic nearby, then I made sure to see that. There you go. Because I mentally checked off most of those. I mean, I've been to London, but not to Olympic stuff. So now that they've had them in 2012, I think there's going to be a little bit more available to see. That park, I, I went to the Olympics in 2012 and was in London Olympic Park. And I went back to London in 2019 and I made a point to go visit. So I made all the, the selfie stops at the rings and the agitos and the, all those things. And it is a well-developed park, well-used, lots of, lots of things. The aquatic center still there, still used. The stadium is now used for soccer. The velodrome still exists. The, the gardens and parks, that's the, that's the main thing is the green spaces that were created over there. No, no white elephants. We were talking about that earlier. So that's really good. All right, Nick. Well, thank you so much for calling in. It has been so much fun to talk to you. And we, we're going to do this again. So, you know, be on the lookout. Great. Well, thank you for producing your show. It's what I look forward to every week on my drive to and from work. Oh, thank you so thank much. Thank you so much, Nick. Happy New Year. Happy New Year. Hello. Thank you for calling Keep the Flame Alive. It's Jill and Allison. Who is this? Hey, this is Patrick from Chicago. Patrick, right now. Patrick from Chicago Land. I, I thought it was on Wednesday and I see the Facebook post. I was like, oh, I need a call. <laughs> Here we are. 
Oh, Patrick, it's so nice to talk to you. How are you? How's the how'd the move go? Oh, it went well. It, it, it went well. It went well. Good. So, good. Good. Yeah. It, yeah. Yeah. Uh, but I'm like, I just woke up like five minutes. I'm like scrolling. I'm like, oh, I see. Oh, it's today. I thought it was tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs> well, then so, I'm glad I posted the reminder. If for no other reason, just to talk yeah. to you. Yes. 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 So, oh, so it's great talking to you guys too. What Olympics or Paralympics thing is on your mind? Well, I thought about this, and it's sort of a semi-serious question, but what we're hearing about China and Beijing and all that other stuff, are you, how guys are you worried about traveling over there? Yes. <laughs> how worried? Very. Very. <laughs> yeah, we're, I, I'm worried. Well, well Jill's going to be there much longer than I am, but still, I'm worried just whether it's actually going to happen because the travel arrangements have been so, so very difficult and are still not done. I'm worried that we're going to make a mistake in some of our, our pre-planning because they're being so strict and we're going to get to the airport and literally not be let out of the airport. I'm worried one of, or both of us are going to get sick. I mean, that's, we got to be realistic. It's a lot of people coming from a lot of places. So we are very worried. And not only are we very worried, but I will tell you the story of when I told my mother that I was doing this, when I told both my parents, my mother, God bless her, was just like, I, I don't know if I'm allowing this. I am not okay with this. You can't go. And I'm like, mom, I'm, I'm a grown up. I'm a grown up child. You can't tell me no. But it, yeah, this is, yeah, this is, yeah, their mothers are like that. It, it is very, very scary and very stressful. So yeah, we are definitely not downplaying uh, the work. And then when we get there, are we going to be able to do our jobs? That's the other very worrisome but, thing. What do you find the balance, find the balance between being a fan and being uh, a reporter? I, I, could you repeat that? Sorry, I couldn't hear it. The, the finding the balance between being a fan and being a reporter. Oh, that I'm, yes, I'm... <laughs> Worried is not the right word, but I am concerned that I will not be able to control myself. And maybe I can do it because I do have an officiating background and I'm very good at having resting officiating face and being able to watch very exciting action and just keep it together. Um, <clears throat> because I think when when I go to the Olympics, the priority for me is going to be going to the events where our team Shuklastanis are and that will be very hard not to cheer for them. And it will be also very hard not to make a total fool of myself if I get into the mixed zone and be all gushy gushy over who knows whom and <laughs> act like a, like an idiot. But I mean, we've done that before and we've gotten okay results. So maybe it'll work. Yeah, I have no fear in terms of being at the events and because I figure, you know what, there's going to be so few people there. And especially because I'm going just for para that whatever cheering I do will be appreciated because we're, I mean, we're going to be, you, when you're there, you cheer for great performances. It's not just who you're fans of. I mean, obviously we'll cheer for our people the most, but so I'm not actually worried about that. I am a little concerned about the mix zone area because that's, you know, where you're with other press and and you do have to be somewhat professional but on the flip side we're all human and we're all going to be excited for them who you know if someone's had a great performance 
I don't think anyone's going to look down on you and say, oh my God, that was fantastic. That was great as a, just as a fan to watch because ultimately anyone who's doing sports press loves the sport. And if they look down on me, I'm just be like, look, I'm older than you. Leave me alone. (laughs) I'll smack you with my wooden spoon. (laughs) Yeah. It's the whole, like, not only is it the, I mean, it's the whole trip is very layered in that it's, you know, COVID it's going to China and not being familiar with how to travel to China, uh, a completely different culture that we're trying to navigate and get used to without knowing a ton of the language, be honest, got to work on some Mandarin. But uh, the other thing is navigating the culture of the Olympics, especially media who have been there 12 times, 10 times, all the, and, you know, everyone starts with time number one, but it's trying to figure out and, and adapt to, okay, what are the processes here? What's the protocol? What do I have to do? How, how goofy can I be? Because I will inevitably say something weird, but that, I think we just had to roll with it and just be like eyes and ears open and listen first and talk later kind of thing. But well, it'll be fun. It'll be every other Olympics and Paralympics easy to do, I hope. I hope they let us back in. <laughs> That's the other thing. Will they let us back in? You know, we yeah, are in the warm-up practice run for Paris. Yes. 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 Yeah. It's I I'm glad our first is a winter because it is so much more manageable. I'm sorry it's during COVID which makes it so much less manageable. You know, we are not jaded press. None of our interviews and the people who we interview very quickly figure out that we are not your regular interview. So we're not going to change who we are just because we're there, but we have to be appropriate to the situation. But there's no way I am not cheering. I mean, we're not allowed to cheer. We, We can clap. And I will bring something appropriate to, you know, one of those little slappy hands or something so that I can, I can do that because, you know, we're still us and that's still what we do. And that's still the point of the show is that we are fans first. So I don't want to lose that either, but I also don't want to get us arrested in China. Right. Or, or, um, not upset, but like make waves with the wrong people so that we don't get invited back. Cause I think if, if hopefully the pandemic will be at bay and tamped down by Paris, that will be an extremely hard Olympics to get credentialed for. So if we do a good job here, maybe that makes us more likely to get to Paris. I don't know. But if, if we don't, even if we don't get credentialed for Paris, I think we're going to probably do the same thing that we tried for Tokyo. I don't know, Allison, we we haven't talked about this about, (laughs) both of us going but like ben and i would like to go to paris just to see the games regardless if we don't get credentialed so it'll be we'd put in place the plans for paris at a minimum what we wanted to do for tokyo okay. yeah, um, what, what, what are you uh, looking, looking for besides your uh, uh, art our, our, our teams, anybody besides like watching our team, like any other like big events you're looking forward to, you missing that part of our team? 
you know, I, and uh, another listener called and asked what we were looking forward to, too. I'm, I really want to see Big Air live. I think that's going to be very wow. cool. Um, even if Alex Diebel does not go, I, uh, I love Snowboard Cross and I want to see that live. Um, I would, I'm, there's so much I'm looking forward to. <laughs> As, as honest to be, it's one of those like, what can the schedule possibly accommodate? Um, but we we haven't covered a lot of the downhill skiing elements as much as we'd like to, but we're working on it. So I'd like to see some alpine skiing and 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 see that element as well. I, I'm curious about half pipe. I'm curious in the way that um, we have heard mention that half pipe is hard to train because there aren't many Olympic half pipes around the world. And I would love mm -hmm. to understand what makes an Olympic half pipe an Olympic half pipe and why isn't that the standard maybe for other half pipe competitions. So there's a lot mm. to see. So the, the two big mm. thoughts I have is other than uh, figure skating, I've never seen elite level winter sports in person. So this will be, and I've never seen parasport in person. So this would be first on both levels. And because I'm going to have the experience of, I will be home for the Olympics and there for the Paralympics. I'm curious to see how the facilities and how things look on TV for the Olympics. And then when I get there, how does that compare to what the in-person experience is? So that will be interesting to experience and obviously interesting to share with all of you to say, oh, on TV during the Olympics, we saw X. But now that I'm here, it looks either exactly as I expected or totally different. So I'm I'm glad we'll be able to do both. Though it's going to be it's going to be a crazy month. Jill and I will not. Um, Jill and I have never worked together, not in the same time zone. Yeah, that'll be fun. <laughs> so this is going to be some some interesting things. And, and it's it's I'm so glad we get to do this. And I'm so glad we get to do it the way we're doing it. And it's going to be a crazy adventure for both of us, even though I'm staying here and she's going for part of it. That in and of itself is going to be kind of wild. Um, I expect. I was going to say, like, how are you going to work like the time zone difference and all that? <laughs> <laughs> we're gonna find out no. we're gonna find out and it's really going to be jill driving the bus because i'm home so if things go wrong for me that's fine if things go wrong for her that is a very um much different and more serious situation so if she tells me i need to get up at three o'clock in the morning i will get up at three o'clock in the morning um yeah, though the difference was we were both working on Easter. You know, we were both here. So, right. you know, if we did something in, in the middle of the night, we were both doing it in the middle of the night. So it felt normal. This we're going to be functioning. So, you know, and we were both watching it. Jill's going to be living it and I'm going to be watching it. So this we're going to have to navigate a whole new a portion of our relationship <laughs> to be honest it's it's going to be a, a a new adventure it's like we've been married for five years 
and now we're you know doing you know one of us is going back to work or something it's just it's it's going to be interesting and then we're going to be working together remotely in the para for those two weeks you know kind of living in a hotel room which we've done for conferences and things but not to this extent so I, I've already said to Jill, if she has any issues with me, to please work them out now. We'll discuss them now. We'll call the therapist in so that when we're actually in this high pressure situation, that it doesn't all come leeching out and, and you know, divorce papers get filed after Beijing. <laughs> yeah, it, it's, um, uh, I'm very grateful that I am going to get to go a few days ahead of the games, which gives me like I'm thinking about, OK, the first day. How long does it take me to get to the press center? What can I do at the press center? How long does it take me to get back to the hotel room? Is the hotel room going to be an optimal place for us to record? Or am I going to have to go to the press center? Because we have different levels of internet access due to uh, the the Chinese government and how they manage the internet in that country, you know, and likewise, mm -hmm. how long will it take to get to these outer vent, uh, outer locations because there's three different sites. So how long does it take me to get there? A lot of these events are at nighttime in Beijing. So do we tape there? Do we tape coming back? Do we tape on the train? How is it going to work? Uh, what kind of recorder do I bring? What kind of mixer comes with me? Um, I keep thinking like, oh my goodness, I should buy an extra microphone. I had to buy extra cables just in case something goes and breaks on us and we have need to have that. And uh, then re when we're together, record we're not used to recording together in the same room it really it's a little more stressful actually because people people often wonder like how do you record when you're far apart and like oh we've got this nailed down we've been doing it so long but when we're together in the same room it's like okay how do we set up the microphone so that they don't bleed onto each other and our different tracks pick up each other's voices because then you get an echo and there's all kind of little technical stuff to do so sometimes it's, sometimes it's easier yeah sometimes Sometimes it's easier recording when the people are in the different rooms yes. because they have different sound levels. When people are in the same sound levels and you're in the same theater, it's like, oh, I've experienced that. <laughs> yeah, you, you, you work in you radio, know. you know. Right. And then yeah. we also have yeah. the issue of we're just we're used to seeing each other on camera versus being in the same room and the body language is different and the facial expressions are different. So that's, you know, I we have. Makes it easier. I think right. that'll make it easier, though. I think it, you, yeah, you see each other. There's, there's a different energy. It's definitely different. And that's what makes it harder because it's different. It's not what we're used to. And it's funny, Jill's talking yeah. about what we what yeah. we need to pack for equipment. We had a whole conversation a few days ago about what clothes we were bringing. We suddenly realized, well, what, what do we need something cocktail? You know, do we need uh, two coats? <laughs> so the the layers of what we're worried about go from are we going to get COVID and die to do we need a cocktail dress? I mean, it is kind of all over the map as to where our 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 heads are getting ready for Beijing. Right. And, and you know, Johnny Weir and Tara Lipinski kind of joke about, well, they don't joke because they have, they bring like 15 suitcases full of clothes because they have different outfits for every performance. Like, I literally think I'm going to have a suitcase of nothing but like, and 95 masks because we have to bring our own supply. Um, all of, you know, first aid stuff just in case, because we don't know what's going to be available to us in the, the stores. 
uh, it, it's it's a little intense to kind of think about, okay, when do I start packing? And, you know, I'm going to have a little room that's just going to be staged for this is the packing room now and start making lists. And, and I'm, uh, you know, I, I traveled a lot. So I got used to being able to pack kind of a small suitcase, smallish suitcase for a couple of weeks, but I don't know how to pack for a six week trip that involves a lot of gear. Wash and dry and all that other stuff as well. Yeah. Is there going to be wash and dryer available? Yeah. You know? Yeah. I think our hotel does have laundry. Our hotels do have laundry so or laundry service. So that will help. But then you also had to think, okay, how long is it going to take them to do laundry? So how many buffer days of clothes do I need? <laughs> and, you know, I, it's it's going to be an interesting experience and we're going to learn pretty quickly. I think like, okay, you packed too much or you didn't pack enough. And luckily for me, I get Allison coming over so she can bring anything I've forgotten. So what's going to happen in between the Paralympics and the Olympics? Well, and <laughs> that's a good question. Um, I have to stay there because if I come home, it's, you have to go through all the protocols to get there again. So it doesn't make sense for me to come home and try to do these. We have to do like a 96 hour test, a 72 hour test for COVID. You have to fly from a specific city. So it doesn't make sense to go through all those hoops again to come home for literally about four or five days. So I will stay in the hotel I have for the Olympics for a few extra days and then I moved to the hotel that we have for the Paralympics a little bit earlier than what we had anticipated. And I think the, the media center will be open 24 hours. I think I'll try to get to the venues if I can to see the transformation from the Olympics to the Paralympics because they'll have to put, uh, you know, you take down the rings, you put up the Ajitos. The Paralympics allows for advertising. So we'll start seeing that go up and just kind of understand, okay, this is where I need to be for the different events for the Paralympics and, and kind of prep for that and uh, just think about how it went and uh, what we'll need to do. How far is the venue from where you're going to be to like the, like the skiing? You know, like, is it like hundreds of miles away? It, it will be far away. I think there are buses that will go there as well as the high-speed rail. Well, Patrick, thank you so much for calling and we really yeah, appreciate it. And uh, we'll, You're we'll welcome. talk to you soon. Happy Olympic year. All right. Happy Olympic year. Okay. All right. Bye-bye. Bye. Hello, this is Jill and Allison from Keep the Flame Alive. Who's this? Hi, this is Meredith. How are you? Hi, Meredith. Yay, we got you. What Olympics and Paralympic stuff is on your mind, Meredith? I would like, and I don't know if any of your previous callers have discussed this or not, but I would like to talk about the fact that there are not enough sports in the Winter Paralympics. Oh, Agreed. Oh, yes. Agreed. They're just, yeah, they just aren't that very many. And I was doing some research, um, and I know that they did a lot of sledge racing in previous Paralympics, and that has sort of, um, they haven't had that in the last few and I believe it's just because I, maybe it wasn't popular in enough places or there was a lot, there seems to have been a lot of changes and going back and forth on the type of sledges that they use. But any, eventually they started using the same type of sledge that they were using for ice hockey. But it just really seemed like when ice hockey 
came, you know, like, like when the ice sledge hockey came in, that the sledge racing kind of went out at about the same time. So I don't know if there, uh, you know, what the problems were that made them kind of drop that sport. But the other thing I was thinking about was uh, maybe, maybe this could be the entry point for cross country running to really become like, maybe we can bring it in for the Paralympics and then if it's popular enough, it can move to the Olympics too. Interesting. I'm, I'm curious about the sledge racing as well, because you have a venue that does short track speed skating unless they convert that to a hockey venue. Yeah. Why can't they use that for sledge racing? Because I, and I don't know enough about the sport know. to know like, Oh, would a long track venue be too long or would they prefer racing in something like a short, short track venue? But that's something to look into. I know they've been trying very hard to get bobsled into the Paralympics and they just don't have yes. the, uh, the participation. They, they don't have critical mass yet, do they? No. Yeah. No. Right. And that, but that really does seem like a very obvious, a very obvious sport that, that we should have in the Paralympics. But I think you're right. I think it's just, I think a lot of these sports, it's just a matter of getting enough participants from enough different countries that, that it's, you know, that the, the IPC will get say, okay, all right, you've got a legitimate sport here. Come on in, you know? I think the biggest problem with winter Olympics and then carrying over to Paralympics is obviously you have uh, limited access. How many countries get snow? How many countries have ice rinks? So you have that one. So right off the bat, the Winter Olympics has less participation than the Summer Olympics. Then you have the added, the added problem of the winter sports equipment tends to be much more expensive. So when you think about what's in the Summer Paralympics, running, swimming, uh, basketball, these are pretty easy entry sports so that to put together together a wheelchair basketball team at your local Y is kind of a nothing in terms of added expense. To add a pair of chairs that can't, that are a little more maneuverable. Right, right, exactly. But, you know, people who are in sports with disabilities, you can start wheelchair racing with your wheelchair. You don't need to right. have the fancy wheelchair. Whereas if you're doing para bobsled, you've got to start with a bobsled that's equipped for uh, athletes with disabilities. That's a very, very expensive entry point. Right. And even like cross country skiing, yeah. if you're putting a chair onto skis or you add a biathlon rifle into the mix. It just gets expensive. So you're not going to have the yeah, very widespread participation on the grassroots level, which then feeds into the elite sports. But I totally agree. I would love to see para speed skating in some, fa- you know, you're talking about the sled racing because that to me seems Right. I, I think sledge racing sort of was the option. Like the it was it was the sort of the analog to speed skating. Um, because they did it seated in sort of something, you know, either on a sledge or, or eventually, you know, in a bucket. Um but that that sort of was the analog because it it could encompass a lot of different varieties of disability. And I'm wondering also if that's it, if they're looking at new sports and, and saying, okay, you need to be able to accommodate this variety of different um, abilities within this 
sport. So like can your sport, because cross country running, for instance, that, that would accommodate, um, like track and field, it would accommodate people with specific disabilities, but there isn't really an, an analog for wheelchair racing in cross country running, probably because of the types of obstacles that they're trying to cross, you know? Right, right. But I, I am surprised. Now, now I've got something on the list that I'm going to toy around with because why isn't there more speed skating? Because if you look at like athletics and para-athletics, you have people that are missing upper limbs. How does that not mm-hmm. translate to speed skating or a little bit of um, what was whatever Nick Mayhew's class was? Uh, with Right. You know, you could translate that to speed skating, I would think. Don't know, but that's something to look into. And Paralympics being smaller, I am hopeful that we will have access to start asking these questions and and trying to get to the bottom of this. But, I, you know, I do kind of think that this is going to be a turning point Paralympics because of the amount of TV access that the, they will have. I hope so. Yeah, well, yeah, yeah. I, I think it could be, well, I think it could be really amazing. But then I thought, I and I don't know, maybe, maybe it's because of where I was during the Tokyo Olympics. I'm not sure, but it, it just felt like the Tokyo Paralympics, there wasn't as much, there was a lot, a lot of coverage. There was an astounding amount of coverage. There were still sports that really received almost nothing. Even in the Paralympics. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, Very frustrating. And not good coverage. No. And I mean, it it was interesting, you know, on on the episode that just aired, you were talking about um, changes that they're thinking about making to the shooting, um, the formats for some of the shooting events Mm -hmm. so that there would be a semifinal. And first of all, I 100% agree with them. You cannot compare two semifinals. Like they're going to have different shooting conditions. Like they're just, I mean, you just, and I, I really feel that the, the finals format that they have right now is extraordinarily exciting to watch. Um, if you have somebody who can just tell you even a little bit about what's going on, um, shotgun is the shotgun sports are always the most exciting because it's just so obvious. You can tell if they hit the target or not. And if they hit, they get the point. And if they didn't, then because I'll, I'll, you know, a lot of times they'll get eliminated. But just and I know that I know that like rifle, you know, air rifle isn't as exciting as some of the other sports. But I mean, I had a a good friend who competed in five different medal competitions, and I didn't get to see her compete once. And they weren't even using all of the technology that's actually available. If you watch the World Cup circuits, they have live target, live scoring targets that are available to watch and. You know, they didn't. They didn't even use that during the Olympics that I that I could see. I mean, we would have been able to follow the earlier stages much better if they even used the technology that was available to them that's used in every other international competition. And they didn't either. I don't know if they didn't have a contract for it or what, but they just didn't use it. Lazy. I think it's that they've. Yeah. And it, I, I think NBC falls, especially NBC in the United States. I can't speak to to other broadcasters because I've never been in another country when the Olympics were being broadcast. But NBC seems to, we've been doing it this way for 25 years. And so we're going to keep doing it this right. way. There's a lot of right. momentum 
in a particular direction and not because they've invested literally billions of dollars. Are they really in a position to let's be creative and just throw something against the wall and see if it sticks? That's kind of a rough place to do that, though. I think they would be better served. And we as fans certainly would be better served if they just tried some different things, make it more interesting because it's different. Even if it fails, I think it would be like, okay, at least we got to see something like the heart rate monitors. What was that for? Archery? Uh, Archery. That was fantastic. Archery. Yeah, that was fascinating. Oh, yeah. And actually, Japan is known for doing a lot of different things with the way that they broadcast sports in their country that are just just very different from the way that it's broadcast in other countries in terms of like the graphics that they use and things. So um, I wish we could have seen... I wish we could have seen the Japanese broadcast of the Olympics. I think that would have been really interesting. Um, Maybe we have some friends in the Facebook group who can tell us about that. Yeah, you know, because I saw, I think it was a Japanese broadcast or a Japanese video. I was watching some figure skating and somebody had done like a tracing over the ice of where just a line uh-huh. of where the skater went and where the jumps were and it was fascinating to look at uh-huh. and we just we don't get to see that in the united states and that's yeah and sometimes they'll show you speed as well as the ice coverage sometimes they'll show you like the height they'll do a replay on a jump and they'll show you the height and the trajectory of the jump so you can see how high they went and how far and that's not really part of the judging system right now but you have to wonder if it's coming you know Right, right, right. Yeah. It's, but it's interesting to the fans. So, Meredith, I, I, I know you're a big figure skating fan, as am I. But you, you are more serious in your pre-gaming. Because on Olympic season, I try not to watch a lot of the competitions leading <laughs> up to the Olympics. Because I want to be, um, su- not surprised, but I, I want to keep it fresh. So, what is the one program so far this season that has that you can't wait to see on Olympic ice? Oh, that's hard. The correct answer is Papadakis uh, and Cicerone. <laughs> no, <kidding. laughs> I, you know, I love Papadakis and Cicerone and I can't wait to see them every time they compete. It, it's, you know, and I'm very, very interested to see, you know, because they canceled the Grand Prix final. There are a lot of skaters we have not seen yes. go head-to-head yet, and we don't know how they're going to be ranked against each other by the judging panel. So that's going to be really interesting. And Ice Dance is one of those that that I think that the Grand Prix final would have been incredibly telling for, um, just to see how they're scoring. And the Russians are coming for the French. Yes, they are. <laughs> they are coming, and it's going to be very interesting. There's no doubt in my mind, just having watched all of the – um, the Challenger Series and the Grand Prix stops, you know. Um, there's no doubt in my mind that Papadakis and Cicerone are have the best skating skills. And the, I don't think they have their, like, their best free skate this year. It's really interesting to me. I think that they've had free skates in the past that were more exciting for me to watch personally. But their skating skills are just so exquisite and amazing. But I don't know. And it's going to be really interesting and exciting to watch. Um, I um, I almost can't tell you what program I'm most excited to see yet because we haven't had national championships in a lot Fair. of the countries yet. So, like, Japan and Russia, and Russia, they're happening, like, this week. So we'll find out who's on their Olympic team, and then we'll know. And in the U.S., the national championship doesn't happen until January. 
but I adore Jason Brown's short program, and and I love his free. Uh, we just found out that Mikhail Koyada is going back to his White Crow program for yes, the I read that the Olympics, the last and I heard that one last year. That honestly, that one might for me be if he if he executes it well, that might be like the men's free skate for me this year. So we'll see. And we just haven't. You know, there are Japanese male figure skaters who we literally haven't seen compete yet. So. Exactly. <laughs> no, it's going to be the competitions, but they weren't broadcast. So are you sorry? Yeah. Are, are you are you sorry that there is not more crumping in the ice dancing <laughs> this year? Um, I'm sorry. This rhythm dance toys is the worst. What is with the I or the um the ISU? Like, how do they choose always like the worst pattern for the Olympic year? I don't understand. <laughs> but you know what? Smart Indias, watch Smart Indias. They've got a really good. There are some really good rhythm dances out there this year. It's just not, um, not the maybe not all of them are from people we were expecting to see like the breakout. Um, rhythm dance, but watch Martin Diaz. They are really, really good. They're from Spain. I we we're I, people are speculating. The problem is there are two really, really good ice dance couples from Spain, and they only have one spot for the Olympics. So we have to see who gets selected to go. But it's starting to look like Martin Diaz. Nice. All right, Meredith. Well, thank you so much for calling and to talk to you, to talk with you, and we we will be doing this again. <laughs> Okay, and yeah, let me know if you come up with a really great winter sport for the Paralympics, or just let it. If you can find out from them um, what they think is gaining momentum and what they're working on, and then we can all start tuning in and watching and kind of give them our momentum too. <laughs> Excellent thought. Excellent. Well, thank you so much. Happy New Year, Happy, Happy Olympics. Happy New Year, Meredith. Happy New Year to Happy you too. Bye bye. Bye. So, yeah, that was great. That was good. Well, let's wrap up the show. Yeah. Oh, that has been so much fun. Thank you all for calling in. I think we're going to do another one of these, like, right after the games. Not necessarily the Olympics, but we'll wait until after the Par- Beijing is all over and we are back home. And, and, and back and, on East Coast time. And we know uh, a set time, and I know that my phone will work with the with the equipment. <laughs> so... So many things we're learning. So many things. This was great. I'm. It's so exciting to be able to talk with you and hear your thoughts on the Olympics. So on that note, that will do it for this year. Thank you so much for listening all year long and participating in all our different formats uh, and with us uh, on the podcast, for listening, for telling your friends, for being a part of our social media sites. It's been so much fun to hang out with you. And actually, like, we got to see an Olympics and a Paralympics this year. That was that was fantastic. That was the celebration, and we're going to do it all over again in 2022. Exactly. So get excited. All right. Well, that will wrap it up. Uh, thank you so much for listening. And until next time, keep the flame alive.